Are y'all excited to be in church today? Woo! Man, I love the fact that you can bring uh, one of your friends, a co-worker, whatever, to church to Faith Promise and just know it's about to be awesome. It's about to be incredible. God is so good to us. We are so pumped that you've chosen to worship us today. My name is Zach Stevens. I'm our global student pastor. I help out at all five campuses. And, man, God is doing some incredible stuff. I, I, just one more time. Y'all pumped to be at church today? Man. It's going to be a good day. I, I believe that's the, that's the hottest worship leader in uh, the world, too. Uh, that's my wife. She watched you talking. Uh, but, um, yes, yeah, so, uh, again, my name is Zach, and I'm so, uh, I cannot wait to share with you today. Uh, as you can tell, there's something going on this weekend. It's, it's, it's just a little thing. Uh, we call it Fusion Weekend. It's just this little deal um, where... Uh, over 1,100 students and adults converged, uh, and we came together, and we, we cried, we laughed, we jumped, we sweat, we, we did all this stuff in the name of Jesus, um, and it was, it was incredible. It was a real move of God. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how we can say hello from the other side, hello from the other side uh, of, of whatever has kept us in the same place for years. And I don't care if you're a sixth grader or if you're a grandparent today, God's got a word for you. Now, there's some things I'm ready to say hello from the other side uh, about Fusion, uh, Fusion 16, about Fusion X. Uh, my house was vandalized uh, by some, some vagabonds from the Blunt campus. I won't mention any names. Hank Allen, uh, not sure if heaven's right for you. But either way, um, so uh, house is vandalized, ready to get some sleep. And there's just something about about. About your, your boys, your sons, yeah, like you've heard the term like aging like wine. These guys age like milk in the desert. Like <laughs> they, they shower at 8 or 9 in the morning. And I'm telling you, by 10 o'clock, smells like they've used doo-doo for deodorant. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. So there's some things we're ready. But God moved in a radical way. And, and I'm so I'm honored to be up here. And I just have to go ahead, and, and before I get rolling, I need to apologize to you guys in advance. Uh, first of all, because I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm so excited today, even though not running on much sleep and running around with these students all weekend, I've got so much excitement for today uh, for a couple reasons. One, it's an honor to stand up here. It's an honor to stand up here and talk to the fastest growing church in Tennessee. It's an honor to stand up here uh, for, for the church who's number one in baptisms. And this church that, that is doing great things, and it's not just because of great leadership, it's because of you guys. You guys are the ones who are inviting your friends, who are inviting your family. You guys are going to be the ones who invite so that we have over 17,000 for Easter. You guys are the ones who are making it happen. It's an honor. It's not something that I take lightly to be able to stand up here and speak to you. Also, it's an honor to stand where Pastor Chris stands. Do we not have an incredible senior pastor in Pastor Michelle? Just an incredible man of God and his wife, Michelle. Just, we, we just love them so much. Uh, it's an honor to stand where he stands. He casts a big shadow, but it's an honor uh, to be where he is. So I get pumped up for that. So I was already excited. Uh, and I passed on about a month ago, I get to do uh, a message starting out our poverty series, and I was pumped. But then uh, I, I listen to two or three sermons a week uh, just to, so I, I want to be the best I can be. I want to be the best communicator, the best pastor. I just want to be the best I can be. Um, and I listen to a guy, a pastor named Pastor Stephen Furtick, and, and he's incredible. Yeah, some of you guys listen to him. And he, he put a word in my heart that really built on what God had already put in me. So I got double excited. Now I'm like, oh, man, if I, if I get too excited, the splash zone is going to be, like, huge. And people are going to get, you know, get crazy. And, uh, and then Fusion Weekend happened. 
And God sent uh, thousands of students and leaders. And, and every time we gave an invitation, students would get saved. And hundreds of students got saved or, or, or surrendered. They're called a ministry or, or they put down addictions or whatever it might be. So, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Give God some praise. So, I, I just got to go ahead and warn you. If you, got, if you lean to your neighbor, you know that guy who gets too excited and, you, and you know, you're going to lean to your neighbor like, this guy's on crack. Not today. But I, I'm just, the Holy Spirit's just got something going on in here and I'm so excited to be a part of it. So I just want to apologize in advance if I scream or spit, it's all going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to start off our series, our series called Poverty. Um, and, and I'm honored because I believe there's going to be so much freedom that goes down in this series. Starting today, there's going to be more freedom set free in your life than you've had in years. I just believe that. I believe that to the absolute core of who I am. And don't let the title of this series throw you off, poverty, because it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. It doesn't matter if your bank account's full. If it is full, let's go to lunch or something, you know, me and you. Um, uh, it, it doesn't matter if your bank account's full or if it's grasping for, uh, grasping for air, because poverty is not predicated on digits in your bank account. Poverty is predicated, it's, it's a mindset. Poverty is something that happens up here between your ears and it's something that we have to overcome via faith. And we're going to do that. It's a mindset we're going to take head on. We live in the poorest region of America, in the Appalachian region. Uh, and there's a lot of churches who kind of dance around money because you know people get crazy. People get funny when you start talking about money. But uh, our, our senior pastor, and more importantly our God, does not skirt around anything uh, there's, nothing that, there's nothing that Jesus crashes up against and Jesus falls backwards. You know what I'm saying? Whatever Jesus hits up against, th those walls fall down. Whatever God's people hit up against, those walls fall down. So we're going to hit that poverty mindset. We're going to hit poverty head on. doesn't matter where we live at, anything. We are going to take that on this series. And I believe so much freedom is going to happen. Now, if you want to see freedom in the Bible, a great place to look is to the Israelites, uh, especially when they're led by a guy named Joshua. And we're going to weave in and out of, of something that they did, right, when they crossed over the Jordan River, something that was, was really impossible. And we're going to talk a lot about that today and how it correlates with our life. So let me set up this, this whole passage we're going to talk about. Let me set up the story we're going to go through with this passage. And it's in Joshua 4, 10 and 11. It says, Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people. So just as Moses had directed Joshua, the people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. Now they came to the other side from the wilderness to the promised land. They came to the other side. And, and today we are going to cross from, from poverty, from, uh, from the wilderness, into God's best, into a generosity mindset. We are going to cross over. We are going to see God's best. We're going to transition just like the Israelites did. Because let me, let me help you understand this. If a, a, a slave and a free person think drastically different, right? Well, Moses came and set the Israelites free from their slavery in Egypt. He set them free, and then they became survivors. They went from being slaves to being survivors, right? A lot of us have been saved, right? You've given your life to Christ, and you've went from being a slave to sin to being a survivor. You've, you've overcome sin through Jesus Christ, and now that's what you live through. But that's not where God wants us to stay. Uh, it's not praying one prayer, and then bam, I'm done. I got my fire insurance. I'm good to go. That's, that, that's not God's best for your life. Because he, what you see in the Israelites is he takes them from being, takes them from being slaves 
to being free. So now they're survivors. But what we're going to talk about today is he takes them from being survivors to being settlers. They have to cross over the Jordan to go from being survivors to being settlers. Now you ask, why were they survivors? Well, because after Moses freed them from Egypt, right, God, God used Moses to free them from Egypt, that he took them to the promised land, to the front door of the promised land. And some of you guys know that they sent 12 spies in, and they came back and told Moses, we can't do it, man. The people there, they're too big. We can never overcome them. It's not something we could do. This is not God's best for our life. So instead of going right in and settling into God's best, they had to wander around and around and around God's best. They had to live in the wilderness for 40 years. So they, they had to just survive in the wilderness. And so many of us in our life, we survive around God's best. But we, we haven't had the initiative to walk into God's best Probably most likely because of a lack of faith. That's what the Israelites had, and, and, and that's what we, we find ourselves a lot of times. But God called them not to just be survivors, but to be settlers. Now, to be a settler, oftentimes that means you have to go and take land. Oftentimes that means you have to go and there's something there occupying it. Now, God's best for our life, there's something occupying that, whether it be a doubt whether it be an addiction, whether it be a failed marriage, whether, whatever it is, we all have something that oftentimes will keep us from God's best. But we are going to cross over to the other side. And not just for you, but for, your, for the next generation, for the churches watching us, for the people who need hope. We are going to say hello from the other side of whatever the obstacle is. And we will settle into God's best. Just like the Israelites were in a season of transition. Transitioning to being settlers. Faith promise we are in a season of transitioning into an even greater faith. God is doing miraculous things here. and We're playing campuses every year. And there's going to be a time where we feel, we feel good. We feel safe. Like we, we feel good right here where we, are, where we are. But it's time for us to cross over to absolute God's best. Not just as an organization, as a church, but as our personal life with God. Our personal walk. Now, before I tell you more about what, how the Israelites went and got across the Jordan, and before I talk more about that, I, I, I want to tell you where their minds were. Because it, it's, it's very important. If you, you can have the right cars, and you can have the right speech, and you can have all the right knowledge, but if you don't, if you don't have the right mindset to get it, to get it out, to take that step, then, then all your cards and all your ability and all that's useless. So let's see where their minds were before they crossed over the Jordan. It says in Joshua 3, 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He didn't say amazing things for you or he's going to shove amazing things on you. He's going to do amazing things among you, with you. He's going to participate through you to do amazing things. Now, I, I love that he said tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. Get ready. Now, pastors, he said this, this phrase, he says it a lot, and I've really held on to it for dear life, uh, not in my marriage, as a dad, in my ministry. And he says that God will meet you at the level of your expectation. Some of you guys think that, you know, hey, hey, God's just not quite enough, or God can't show up in that. Well, if your level of expectation is down here for God, then you're selling your, our God short. There's times, seriously, where I've had so much doubt overtaking my heart, but I sit there and think, God, you will meet me at my level of expectation. When I think about fusion, and I think about, you know, God sending almost 1,200 people. Uh, the average church in Tennessee runs 75. The average church in Tennessee baptizes seven people a year. And for us to pray for over 1,000 students is ridiculous. It's crazy, right? 
But I think God will meet us at the level of our expectation. So we prayed for 1,500. And we, and we shot from the moon and landed among the stars. And we will continue to do that because we will raise that expectation and watch God meet it and fly by it. So I just want to beg you, for these next three weeks, have an expectation that God is going to move. Have an expectation that God is going to radically shift our faith. Have an expectation that God is going to show up in a miraculous way. Now, again, I know people get funny when you talk about money. I, I understand that. And we're all in different places when it comes to finances. Some of us don't have any money. We're having trouble paying our bills. This message is for you. Some of us, you know, you, maybe you started out poor, but you've, you've worked hard, you saved money, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and you're not going to let your kids, and you're never going back to being poor. I understand that. This message is for you. Or maybe you're wealthy. Maybe your, your parents were, were wealthy, or, or you become independently wealthy, and part of your identity is, is, is your finances. This message is for you. And you may think, Zach, you just turned 27. Who, who are you to talk to me about money? I totally understand that. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time a lot of time trying to prove myself to you because I'm really going to stand on God's word today and not my own. However, I grew up in a house where money was not served. Like at, at, at the house I grew up at, the house served God and money served that house. It, it, it never was the other way around. My, my mom and my dad, they served God while money served them. And I was too young to realize the power in these things. But I remember opening up the front door and there being groceries on the front porch, and I didn't know why. I didn't, I didn't get why it was such a big deal, but I remember mom and dad weeping over it. And, and, and it, it didn't make any sense to me why whenever somebody gave dad uh, a Corvette, it didn't run or anything, but when he got it running, he gave it straight to the church. And these things that would happen when pastor would sell a house or work these long hours, when we didn't have any money and we would live on a trailer on the plot that dad was building a house to sell it, and, and none of it made any sense to me. But as I got older, I saw that, that money served my dad while he served God. It was never the other way around. And, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that that's where true freedom is. And, and I, I just want to tell you this, and I want to roll in, into some, in four points I have for you. But I didn't realize this until Heart for the Harvest last year, which if you're new here, every year we do something called Heart for the Harvest, where we give a free will offering uh, to plant campuses and, and do some special things. And I was getting ready for Heart for the Harvest, me and my wife Rachel, who grew up in, a, in the same a similar house I did. You gave money, you did not serve money. And I, I go to the gym every morning, and whenever, it, when there's women there who come to the gym in their uh, underoos, right, I'm very cautious, where my eyes look. I'm very cautious. Very, because I, I work out with a guy who goes here who would not hesitate to drop a weight right on my foot. But that, that's not why. I want to have, I want to have a great marriage. I want to have a great sex life with my wife. I want to have, I want to be the best dad I can be. You know what that means? That means not looking around. That means taking my thoughts and my eyes captive. So if I see something that's tempting me, I guarantee where I look, I look straight down. It's messed up sets before, but as far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, I actually, <laughs> I, I start, <laughs> we, started, we started working out with this new guy, uh, and uh, he's, he's, he's a young guy, and he, he, you know, he, he never met me and the guys I've worked out with before, and he's like, he kept on saying, God, that girl is so hot over there, da-da-da. And, and I, was, I was benching, and I got up and I said, hey, man, I, I just want to tell you something about me. There's only two women really on the planet to me. Uh, there's my wife and there's my daughter. You know, my, my, my mom, my mother-in-law, obviously. But, like, when it comes to, like, women, those are the only women I see. Really, everybody else is just oddly shaped men, right? So, <laughs> and you should have seen his face. He was like, what? 
Yeah, so he like, he was like, that girl behind you is so hot. And I was like, dude, it'd be kind of you know, fruity for me to check him out. It's a dude. And he just couldn't get his mind around it. And I was like, bro, it's, I, I'm just joking, but I don't, I, don't, I don't look at other girls. And I didn't realize this until I was getting ready for the heart for the harvest. And I was sitting where I, was, I had my quiet time. Um, and I remember we were stretching ourselves to give for the heart for the harvest. Because Rachel and I's first goal when we got married, the biggest bill we pay is, is, the, is the Faith Promise Church. And the, the only reason we do that is because we want our biggest investment not to be in a house, not to be in a car, but to, to be in the kingdom for the next generation um, in, in, in what God's doing. So as we started preparing for Heart for the Harvest, we stretched ourselves. We were putting money away, putting money away. And then two weeks before I was driving home, Rachel and I were, and a deer, bam, right inside of my car. Uh, right side of my truck. If, if you've seen it, I've got a big student's decal on my truck. So part of it st- still says Udens, where the deer mess it up. Um, but I, that, that deer hit it, $500 deductible. Got to pay it, right? And then I forgot what else happened. There's a $250 deductible. We're obviously not made out of money. And I told you we'd already stretched ourselves. And I remember sitting down, and, and, and I was about to have my quiet time. And I remember thinking, the, the thought came in, well, if you don't give as much for heart for the harvest, you can pay those. And I'm telling you, it was like a, it was, it was just a knee-jerk reaction. I said, no, I won't do that. J- just like at the gym. And I, I just said, I won't. I, 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 won't, I won't rob what I know is God's best, not just for me and my house, but for, but for faith promise for the next generation. I, I, won't, I won't do that. God, you'll, you'll provide that money, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll pay that deductible. I'll do that. But I will not rob what I believe is God's best. When things get uncomfortable, uh, our God doesn't turn tail and run, so I won't turn tail and run. And, and this, this is the way it is because my dad paved a way for me. And I'm, I, I just turned 27. Okay, and, and I have that mentality now, not because, you know, I'm, I'm so spiritual. I have that mentality because there was a man and a, and a woman, my mom and dad, who paved the way for me. And they, they went through hardships, and I got to watch it, and I got to learn, and I got to know God's best for me is giving. God's best for me is being generous. So even though this is going to be difficult, even though it may be a hard transition, we are going to do it. So let me give you four ways, four kinds of faith that will help us break free of this poverty mindset. The first way we can break free of a poverty mindset is a forward-looking faith. A forward-looking faith. And let me explain that to you. In Joshua 3, um, 3 and 4, it says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Some of you guys have never tasted freedom before. You've been, in, you've been in a poverty mindset, and you've been in captured to something your whole life. But luckily, God's presence is going to tell us where to go. Keep distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, this is huge because God is calling the Israelites to the biggest transition for them to date whenever Moses has just died. Their leader for almost five decades just died. And God is calling them to transition, calling Joshua who, to transition them in what will be their hardest transition yet, calling them in a time where their leader just died. I tell you that because transition ne- is never easy. There's always an excuse to wait and not to initiate. There's always a reason not to drive in to push forward. But I think there's some of this passage that is huge and freeing for us. It, it said that the, the Ark of the Covenant would go 2,000 cubits ahead of them. Now, the Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence. So now if you read the Old Testament, you see uh, the Ark of the Covenant, that's, represent- that's representative of God's presence. And he sends it 2,000 cubits ahead. 
And as I was studying for this message, I was like, well, I wonder why he sent it so far ahead. Because that's about 10 football fields. That's pretty far. Uh, and he sent the Ark of the Covenant out into the middle of the Jordan River during flood season. Right? There's no way you can cross the Jordan during flood season. I've been there. There's no way you can do it. But G- G- uh, God sent his presence out in the middle of it. And I wondered why. And I, I really believe that it's because if the Israelites didn't have God's presence way out in front of them, they would have been focused on all the things around them. Maybe a bill here, maybe a stress here, maybe a pressure to keep up with the neighbors here. Whatever it is, they would keep up. Maybe Moses dying right here. They would have all these things right in front of them. And if God's presence was only right there, then it would be right beside that stress and they never get past it. But see, what's so special about God's presence is it's way out in front of us. We, and that, that's what's so great about serving an eternal God. He's the only one that can make eternal promises, right? If your boss offered you a raise tomorrow, that would be great, but he can't promise you tomorrow. The only person who can promise you something way out ahead is an eternal being, which the only one of those there is, is God. And it's funny, you can see it all throughout his word. I know the, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. In, in Hebrews it said that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him, which was us. We're supposed to be forward-thinking people. We're supposed to be forward, have a faith that is moving forward. If, you're, if you feel like, gosh, I've been in the same place for so long, that's not God's best for you. It's not. And, and you know what, you may think, you know, whenever, I, whenever I'm older, whenever, whenever I die, or, you know, when, when I'm in heaven, this, this will all be taken care of. That's not God's will either. When Jesus teaches us how to pray in, in uh, the Gospel of John, he says, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as is in heaven. We are to create God's kingdom here and now, a safe place, a place of love, a place of surrender, a place that says hello from the other side of whatever the world throws on us, a forward-moving faith. The second kind of faith it will take to escape a poverty mindset, we see in Joshua 3.17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan, right in the middle of the impossible, and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed until the whole nation was completely across on dry ground. If you could take an aerial shot of the Israelites, right, not, not the nation, uh, yeah, the people. If you took an aerial shot and you found where God's presence was, it wasn't in the safe place. It was in the middle of their obstacle. Now, there's a lot of us, and myself included, there's times where I was saying, I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel it. Well, let me ask you this, and please don't hear any judgment. When you feel pressure against being a man or a woman of God, whenever you feel something pushing back, do you say, oh, that's uncomfortable. I'm not going to go there. Whenever you're writing maybe your tie check or about to slide in the kiosk and you're like, gosh, man, I'm not going to be able to eat out this week. I'm not going to be able to pay this or that. Do you say, ah, I'm not going to do it. Because I believe the reason a lot of us miss out on God's presence is because God's presence is in the middle of our biggest obstacle. But we, let, we, 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 we step back from it. Listen, our, Jesus never stepped back from anything. He, he was the kind of God that, remember at the beginning, everything, every wall that he hit. It came tumbling down. Every wall that we are to hit, it it will, it will, if we have the faith to hit it, will come tumbling down. Because that's where God's presence is, is right in the middle of that obstacle. But the enemy's got this great way of swirling around the latest and the loudest and making us think, ah, I can't do that right now. I'll do it when my tax return comes. I'll do it when my marriage is on better better terms. I'll I'll, I'll do it then. I'll do it then. But God's presence, I, I, I just know this, is in the middle of our biggest obstacle. We see it in the Israelites' life. We've seen it in so many of our lives. We have to have a stand in the middle kind of faith. The third kind of faith we have to have uh, to escape a poverty mindset, a remembering faith. 
I love this one. Let me read this to you. Uh, Joshua 4, 1 through 3. When the whole nation uh, had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to go take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests were standing. So that's right in the middle. And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you're staying tonight. <laughs> so just let me tell you. God brings them across the Jordan on dry ground. God, God stops up the whole river a few miles up at a city called Adam. Stops up tons and tons of water. Hundreds of thousands of pounds of water. Stops it up so they can cross on dry ground. That, that's special. And then he, when he gets to the other side, he tells Joshua, pick 12 men. Tell them to go back to the middle. Right? I don't know about you, but if I cross over and I can look up and I can see a big mound of water, I am a scooting across there, right? I don't, I don't love cardio, but I would run then. And so, like, he, I would be across there. So many of us are trying to just survive through life. We're just trying to make it till Friday. We're, we're, we're just, well, I'm just trying to get out without hitting my boss. I'm just trying to get through this class with a C. I'm just trying to make it. Listen, just making it is not in the DNA of a Christ follower. God has called us to not, not survive, but to thrive. He says to puff up your chest, walk across the Jordan on dry ground, walk across in a kind of faith that can do the impossible, and then don't wait. Just to add insult to injury to the devil, go back, pick up a rock so you can remember what I did. This is huge. A remembering faith. It's something that I don't believe that we do today's culture enough because every time that day's over, we just leave it and we go on to the next day. But it's so important to pick up rocks from what God has done. I've got a satchel full of rocks, okay, of what God's done. Whether, whenever I have doubt and the devil throws doubt at me, I take a rock out and I throw one back at him. And whenever he says, Zach, you can't do it, fusion won't hit 1,500 next year, I pull it out and I say, well, we went from 800 to 1,200 this year, so I don't see why not. Y'all won't hit, hit 17,000 Easter. Well, we had... Over 350 baptisms last year. Why, why wouldn't he do it? And every time he throws doubt at me, every time he says you can't, you're not good enough, you can't be a good enough dad, you can't be a good enough husband, you can't be a good enough pastor, I've got a satchel full of rocks. And I, I'm, I'm not the, I, I do not serve a God that just takes it, just takes it, just takes it. That, that's not who me and my family will be. When the enemy throws stuff at me, I will take rocks out that I got from the Jordan. And I will throw them right back at him because we are victors. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We're not made to survive. We're made to thrive. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are, need to have a remembering faith, remembering what God has done, the amazing things that God has done. Now, we don't have 12 tribes at Faith Promise. We don't have 12 campuses yet. That's coming. We will have 12 campuses. Uh, we, we don't have that yet. But... I was thinking about the number 12, and there are 12 months in a year. And here's what I want to challenge you. Let God be the God of your finances. Let God be the God of every area of your life all year. And listen, I promise you, if you let God be the God of your finances, of your marriage, of your kids, of, 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 your, of your job, of your school, if you let him do that, every month the enemy is going to push against you. And if you'll believe, if you'll have that faith, you're going to walk across a Jordan every month. And you know what? In March... Whenever you feel that pressure, you can pick up the rock from January, right? And in December, when things are tight because you've over, you, you spent on Christmas, you can pick up that rock from November. And you've got a satchel for us because we have a God who can show up in the impossible. And we have to remember, we have to have a remembering faith of what God has done for us. 
One more. Let me give you the last one. We escape a poverty mindset by having a building the future generations foundation faith. I know that's, that's long. We have to have a faith that will build the next generation's foundation. That's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. I want to ask you a question. What are you leaving for your kids? And if you say, Zach, well, I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't have kids. What are you leaving for the next generation of faith promise, the, the FP students, the FP kids? And when I say what are you leaving, I'm not talking about an inheritance. I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about freedom from spiritual change, spiritual from a poverty mindset. We're more concerned about conserving forests for our kids than we are about conserving their eternal salvation a lot of times. And we, 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 we can't do that. Here's, here's, here's what I'd like you to think about. So many of us in here have hit rock bottom. At a place or another, we've hit rock bottom. Whether it be in finances or, or whether it be in, in your marriage or whether it be at your job, we've all hit rock bottom. And we have two choices. We can let that be our rock bottom. We can wallow in it and we can barely survive and we can limp on by. Or we could get in the Jordan, right? Even though it feels shaky, right? The rock still may be a little bit slippery from where God's piled up the water. And you can pick up that rock that would have been your rock bottom. And you can carry it to the other side and let it be the next generation's stepping stone. Because if we don't let it be a stepping stone, it will be their rock bottom as well. But we will not let it be their rock bottom. We will let it be their stepping stone, just like my dad did for me. I didn't have to go through all the doubt of tithing and, and the doubt of will God show up. Because I watched him show up and I watched him show up and I watched him show up. And their rock bottom was my stepping stone. And JL, my daughter, her stepping stone will be even above mine. I'll make sure of that. I'll die trying for that. What are we leaving for our kids? What are we leaving for the next generation? Let me read you the scripture. In Joshua 4, 20-22, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones uh, that they had taken from out of the Jordan, those ones from the middle. And he said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed on dry ground. Tell them Israel crossed on dry ground. I don't think, that's all he said. I don't think he gives a lot of detail because we get muddied up in the details. It's not about the details. All it's about is that we have a God that can help us cross on dry ground. We'll be a little slick sometimes. Maybe will we get a little tempted? Yeah, sure. But our God is a God of dry ground. Our God is a God that lets us say hello from the other side. Let me ask you, will your kids say that you are more, will the next generation say a faith promise that we are more concerned about our detainment or our delivery? Were we more concerned about our mornings, the sadness, or were, were we more concerned about our miracles? Were we more concerned about the overdrafts, or were we more concerned about our overcoming? Were we more concerned about our junk, or were we more concerned about our generosity? What would they say? In the Old Testament, uh, when they would refer to God, they would refer to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the reason they would say that is because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were overcomers. They, they, were, they were spiritual giants. But now, the next generation, when they talk about God, a lot of them, they talk about the God of you. What kind of God are you showing them? Are you showing them a God who is an overcomer? A God who can let them say hello from the other side? A God who always shows up? A God who will never let them down? A God who is there for them whenever the, when the money's gone, when the relationships fade away, when the sports are gone, when the grades may fade? That God is still there. Because that creates an unshakable generation. We must 
we must be able to say hello from the other side of whatever it is. Whether it's a mindset of poverty, whether it's a sickness, whether it's, it's, it's a rocky relationship, we have to be able to say hello from the other side. God, right now, I, wanna, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be so evident in this room. That we would be able to say hello from the other side of whatever bondage we face. That we would be able to say hello from the other side of whatever fear we have. That we would be able to say hello from the other side of, of whatever selfishness we may face. Whatever the devil said we cannot do, that we can do. That we can say hello from the other side. That we can see you moving in a mighty way. That we can look over at whatever's holding us back and say hello from the other side. Hello from the other side.